This is PhotoBizX episode number 351, and today's topic is how to build a profitable adventure elopement photography business. That's a mouthful. Our special guest is British-born but now Austrian local Kat Eckleboom-White, who has built an incredibly successful business based on shooting weekdays only in the most amazing locations you can imagine with couples who love what she does. That interview is coming up in just a minute. Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast track your success. Welcome to the Photo Biz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich. Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here from Impact Images, and welcome to this episode of the podcast. Can't wait to bring you this episode with Kat in just a little while. I think this is the first interview I've done with an adventure elopement wedding photographer. So it's going to be fun. I know it's a popular topic with a few photographers. Well, I'm thinking of one in particular inside the members Facebook group is going to absolutely love what Kat shares today. And I'm hoping you're going to get a ton from what she covers as well. In regards to the audio for today, it's, <laughs> it's going to be a little bit noisy in the background because it's very, very hot here today. We have air conditioning in the house, in my house, but not in the room that I'm recording from. So I've got the door open, the fan blowing the cool air-conditioned air into the room, and it was meant to be a quiet house today. But Linda's auntie from Scotland, her aunt Kathy, is heading back home to Scotland. So we're having lunch here for Kathy. <laughs> They've just arrived. There's going to be a lot of chatter in the background. I'm sure there's going to be some popping champagne bottles and clinking of glasses and lots of laughter in the background too. So I'm going to keep what I've got to share with you pretty short and succinct today, but I wanted to give you a heads up about what's happening in the background today. As far as me and my week is concerned, I've been working on videos, so continuing on with the Ignite video challenge that I talked about a few weeks ago. I've been recording videos for my Facebook page and also I've been uploading the same videos to YouTube and uh, it's been great. I've been continuing on with what I've learned. I've been keeping the videos short, not overthinking them, getting one point or topic across that I want to share to get my message out there. Um, most of those messages have a link or somewhere else to go as well. And then the plan is, well, what I'm doing as well is using those same videos to create Facebook ads as part of retargeting campaigns and also as audience building campaigns as well. It's been a lot of fun, not overthinking the whole video production thing, just having an idea, or I've actually now got a list of ideas, grabbing one of those ideas, turning my phone on, and recording a video. Admittedly, I do have a little bit of a setup here. So on my desk, I have a Gorillapod, a little mount for my iPhone. I also purchased a, a radio mic, which I saw via a Facebook ad, which has been Really, really cool. Very, very simple to use. So I'm using that. Occasionally, I'll use my webcam, depending on where I am. And I also have a fluoro studio light, a constant light source set up in my room. I, th I throw the light into a, a light or white-colored wall in front of me, which uh, eliminates my face. You'll see exactly what I'm talking about if you go and check out the Facebook page for PhotoBizX or my YouTube channel. And you'll see just how easy it is to do these videos. And they have so much potential to, to reach my target audience, other photographers, by sharing 
little bits and pieces about the podcast, what's been shared by different guests, tips and ideas to help grow your business. They're the kinds of things I'm sharing. You can apply the same ideas to your photography business. We've talked about this before, but sharing details and ideas about locations, what to wear, the best time of year to do photo sessions, or how to get different looks at different times of year. There are so many ideas that you get so many things you know that your clients ask you. They are the kind of things you can create videos about. Super, super simple. And also, yeah, I was going to tell you, if uh, if you're interested in learning the way I did and refining and fine-tuning and getting used to creating videos in a safe environment, then go and check out the Ignite video challenge. It's starting again. Let me just check here. It's starting again on March 9th, 2020. Uh, the course itself costs 20 US dollars, so it's super cheap. And the course courses are delivered daily. They're around five minutes long, and then you get a daily challenge except for the weekends, and they take you two to three minutes at most. It's a really, really supportive group. Lots of great tips. Very basic, but what I found is it gets you in the habit of recording video every single day. So for me now, I'm producing a podcast on Monday. I have videos going out, looks like Tuesdays and Thursdays. I've also got other videos recorded and ready to go and upload. So I've got a constant stream of content going out on social media. I can also use these on my blog posts as well. I'm talkingly talkingly i'm currently talking to my va about taking the videos from youtube and then creating a blog post from those youtube videos as well so this is all going to help seo help get in front of the right people other photographers to hear about and learn about PhotoBizX. again you can apply this to your photography business exactly the same way uh, to learn more about that course if you want to do it go to photobizx.com forward slash ignite it's ig N-I-T-E. So photobizx.com forward slash ignite. And if you are a premium member, if you've been recording some video, utilizing video, or if you decide to do this course, then let me know about it inside the members Facebook group. I'd like to check out what you're creating for your audience. And I know other listeners, other members would love to see that as well. Uh, other than video, <laughs> I don't know if you can hear, but I've got a, a scratchy voice today. I've got a sore throat. It's uh well, I guess I can, I've got some idea why I've entered myself into a big, massive, big race called the Grafton to Inverell here in Australia. It's 228 kilometer race. It's in May and I've started training for that. So yesterday I, uh, I raced and uh, did 165 kilometers on the bike and sure enough, woke up today with a sore throat. <laughs> That's typical, isn't it? As soon as you sign up for something, you get sick. Anyway, let's push on with today's show. I know you're going to love What's to come? And now, a macro look at our last episode. I seem to be saying this every single episode, but last week was one of the most well-received and exciting episodes I've had the pleasure of recording and releasing. It was episode 350 with Brian Kellogg, and he made the move away from wedding photography and has created a profitable portrait photography business. He goes into detail in that interview, a lot of detail, exactly how he's done that with the help of photography business coach Bernie Griffiths. And he dropped so many great ideas, so much actionable content that you'll be able to apply to your business. It will, I'm serious, it will blow you away at just how much Brian had to share. And if 
like other premium members, if you have the ability to implement just a portion of what he said. I mean, one of the tips was how to light his artwork, his wall art in his studio. He did that thinking, okay, I'll do what Bernie says because it, you know he's saying to do it. I'm paying him to be my coach. And uh, from memory, his sales went up 30%. 30%, a 30% increase in sales just by lighting his wall art effectively and getting anything framed off the floor. Just incredible. So you'll hear a ton of different ideas that you can implement into your business with Brian Kellogg. Get back and have a listen to that one if you haven't heard it yet. You're listening to Photo Biz Exposed with your host, Andrew Helmich. Alrighty, we're going to jump into this interview with Kat Eckleboom White in just a second. If you are hearing this announcement, it does mean you are listening to the free version of the podcast, and that means you will be missing out on a portion of the second half of the interview with Kat today, because what I do is save that portion for premium members only. So if you are loving what Kat shares in the first half of this interview, and I know you will, particularly if you shoot weddings or you want to attract elopement clients or elopement weddings with adventurous clients then you will want to hear the full interview today with cat and you can do that for as little as one dollar with a trial membership to get that 30-day trial head over to photobizx.com forward slash try welcome to another great eye for business it's time for andrew's special guest Today's guest is an ex-ski and snowboard instructor. Born and raised in the UK, she took a trip to the Austrian Alps and she never left. Since then, she's married an Austrian local and has built a photography business around adventurous couples and capturing their elopements and weddings in the most beautiful and wild locations. She says on her about page, I'm just as at home skiing down the slopes with you on your wedding day as I am hiking to a peak whilst helping you with your wedding dress. And judging by some of the locations I've seen where she's shooting, this has to be 100% true. Her website is filled with in-love couples amongst crazy beautiful backdrops, and it's immediately obvious she offers a special kind of photography service for a particular kind of couple. We had a brief email exchange before setting up this interview, and she told me, I want to challenge the wedding industry view that elopements are predominantly low-budget, last-minute weddings with couples who don't value photography. I'm talking about Kat Eckleboom White, and I'm wrapped to have her with us now. Kat, welcome. Hi, hi, great to uh, chat with you. Yeah, yeah, likewise. I said there in the intro that you were a UK resident. Yeah. How long have you been in Austria, and how difficult was it to set up a business there? So, I first came to Austria 10 years ago for my first ski season. And absolutely loved it. And I've been a permanent resident here for the last eight years. So yeah, it's it's been quite a while now. It definitely feels like this is my home. Setting up my business was kind of challenging. So I started my business after we got married. So I started it in 2015. Um, and at the time, my German was okay, but it wasn't amazing. And so trying to set up a business in a country where you don't speak the language, you don't understand all of the laws of tax and how to do it. It was pretty complicated and quite stressful, but I got there. <laughs> so did you have to be a resident to start a business in Austria? I think you do. I can't remember exactly, but I know that because I'd been a resident for less than five years when I went to the Chamber of Commerce to set up my business, I had to produce things like a certificate that I had no criminal record and things. 
So I don't think you necessarily have to be resident for a certain amount of time, but you do then, if you haven't been living here for a long time, you have to prove that, yeah, you're not a criminal and things like that. Right. And look, I imagine it's similar sort of tax laws around the world. Did you have to hire an accountant to sort of wrap your head around all that sort of stuff? Or did your husband help you with that? I did hire an accountant. I kind of just decided that I'm not great with numbers anyway. I'm definitely more of the artistic side of the spectrum of, oh, let's create amazing things. And I'm really not very numbers focused. So right from the start, I just decided I'd rather just have that expense and know that it's taken care of than just to be stressing out and worrying about doing it right and getting penalties for not doing things correctly. So yeah, I just paid someone to take that over for me. Best one of the best decisions I made. Oh, cool, cool. Did you have a photography business in the UK or did this all start once you got to Austria? It all started after I got married, which was in Austria. So yeah, I didn't even own a camera when I used to live in the UK. Photography and business all kind of started at the same time. So within the last five years. Okay. So what made you even get into wedding photography? It was my own wedding. I got married and the most important thing for me when we were planning our wedding was our photography and there was just something about wedding photography that I fell in love with and so when our wedding was over I kind of just like you know what I want to be a wedding photographer Um, (laughs) and so then I went and bought a camera and learned how to use it and learned how to create a business and learned about marketing and until then I really had no background in either business or photography. Wow. So can you give us a bit of a snapshot of how the business has progressed over the last five years? Absolutely. So yeah, I started my business. So I went to the Chamber of Commerce and registered and said, I want to be a photographer. That was in October, 2015. For the first two years, I did it part-time alongside a four day a week job working in a hotel. And then almost two years to the date Later, so 2017, I went full-time. And since then, I've been doing it full-time. So for the last two years, I shoot 25 weddings slash elopements a year, plus a few kind of engagement and couple shoots in between. And the majority of my income is from wedding and couple photography. So you have another source of income as well? A very small amount. So for the last year, I've also started doing mentoring and workshops. So that's a fairly new thing over the last kind of year that I started up. So yeah, that's a small amount of other income on this side. And I also run a wedding blog, which has a very tiny amount of income, but I think it probably has higher outgoings than it has income at the moment. (laughs) Can't really count that. (laughs) What's the name of the blog? It's called We Are The Wanderers. Okay. So I found that when I was Googling you. So that's actually your blog. It is, yeah. Okay, very cool. So with the weddings, the 25 a year that you're doing now, is that 25 by choice or is that the maximum number you're getting in regards to bookings? That's by choice. So, I mean, very much the whole reason I left the UK and I moved to Austria was because I very much wanted, you know, my life to be based around a certain lifestyle that I wanted to lead. And I kind of worked out that with the amount that I wanted to earn, uh, the kind of prices I was charging, that 25 was a good number. And then kind of this year it's been 25 and it's worked out really nicely that I have a good amount of weddings, but also that leaves me with enough time in the year to actually take two, three weeks off 
to go on holiday, go traveling with my husband, to go and visit family back in the UK and, you know, to not be working every weekend so I can actually go skiing and hiking and climbing myself <laughs> nice. over the weekends. Yeah. What's your husband's name? My husband's name is Menno. Menno. So does Menno, does he work in the business too or does he have his own job? He doesn't. He's an architect. Okay. So he has weekends off. So he doesn't want you to be working every weekend either. No, he doesn't. And he works a four day week as well. So he works pretty long hours, but he only works Monday to Thursday. So we generally have Friday, Saturday, Sunday is a three day weekend. And often we have that together because a lot of the weddings that I shoot are during the week. Oh, wow. Okay. That's interesting too. All right. Let's get into that in a minute. Have you got an idea or do you remember or do you know off the top of your head how your revenue has grown over the last five years? Oh, that's a good question. It has grown an awful lot. I would say that probably, I would hazard a guess to say it's pretty much doubled every year. Oh, wow. Okay. Do you have an idea of what you're doing now? So my target for this year was to have... um, I always get confused with these. This is why I say I'm not a numbers-minded person, but I'm trying to be. I wanted to have a turnover of 50K, and I'm going to be close to getting 100K this year. Oh, and that's Euro? Yeah. Fantastic. So you've got a great business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's 25 weddings, and then you're doing – so elopements are Canada's weddings, aren't they, for you? And then you're doing some – is it like engagement shoots or couple shoots? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, elopements for me are weddings. It's a couple getting married and it's an important day. So they are priced the same as weddings. I don't differentiate. So that's 25 elopements slash weddings. And then, yeah, in between that, occasionally it's engagement shoots or sometimes like honeymoon shoots, trash the dress type shoots as well. Fantastic. I love it. Your website that I can see is in English. Is there a German version as well? No, there isn't. So I made the decision when I started my business that even though I spoke German, my German written is terrible, but I kind of knew right from the start that the local German speaking market was not my target audience. And I'm lucky enough to live in a location where people travel to on holiday. So I was like, well, if people travel here on holiday, I'm pretty sure people travel here to get married too. And like, I looked at statistics and seen that people do get married here it's not a huge amount but for the fact that I only wanted to shoot kind of 25 weddings a year there was more than 25 people coming from abroad to get married here so I just decided right from the offset everything is going to be in English okay love it so most of your or all of your couples are coming from outside Austria are they mainly from the UK is that where most of them are from no, actually, most of them come from the USA, sometimes Australia, and occasionally the UK. Oh, okay. I'm excited to find out how these people, these couples are finding you. But just before we get into the marketing side of things, you mentioned pricing. We talked a little bit about revenue there. What are couples spending with you? Like, Do they buy a package? Do they get a collection? What do they get included? So because I started off with slightly more traditional and as a lot of people do started with slightly lower budget weddings when everyone starts out. When I first started, it was like you get the digitals, you get a USB drive, you get an album. And when I first started, a lot of people were like, oh, but can we take this out? Can we take that out? Because it just makes it cheaper. And in the end, I ended up doing digital only. And I kind of, as my business progressed, I just stuck with that model because it worked for me. I have the option to upsell albums to clients afterwards. Like I, well, I just do it through pick time. Generally, I don't really push albums, but then I kind of just base my pricing on like 
if they're only getting digitals, what do I want to charge for that? I'm not having to work out album costs, deadlines for getting stuff to printers. So I kind of just, yeah, just did it that. So literally when they book me, it's digital only package, one photographer, I work alone. And they choose kind of between four hours up to 12 hours is kind of what the packages are. And then I offer the option to create like a multiple day package, depending on what it is that they're looking for. Right. Okay. So with the deliverables, is that, you know, digital files in a Dropbox folder and how many? I use PickTime Gallery. Okay. So PickTime for everything. Yeah. Use PickTime for the whole, um, so I send them high res images all are edited in Lightroom. I don't do really heavy retouching. Kind of a lot of what I do is it's all about kind of keeping it natural. But yeah, so it's all edited in Lightroom. And I kind of, it's difficult with elopements to kind of estimate because every elopement is very different. Sometimes you may spend like a few hours hiking where you're taking very few pictures. But I still tend to do the average estimate of around 50 images per hour that I'm with the couple. Right, okay. So you don't really tie yourself down to a particular number. This is what you explain to clients. Depends on how much hiking, how much skiing, whatever we're going to be doing. Yeah, exactly. Right. So what does that start at? So a four-hour, do you call it a package, four-hour package? Yeah, so a four-hour collection. I call them collections. The four hours starts at 2,850 euros, yeah. Right, okay. And then they go up from there depending on what they want. Yeah, and that's the local pricing. And then I also have a separate pricing guide for within Europe, so the destination stuff. Okay, so you're getting booked then to go outside Innsbruck to other locations in Europe as well? Yeah. Does that happen often? Yes, quite a lot. I would say 60% maybe of my elopements are what I call local is for me is within like a two and a half hour drive, two and a half hour radius. So for me, that's around the Tyrol area. I also count the Dolomites as local. So even though it's across a border in Italy, some of the locations in the Dolomites that I shoot are less than two hour drive. And that also stretches into a bit of Bavaria and Germany. So those are what I call like my local area. And then destinations within Europe. I've just got back from Norway this year. I've also been to Ireland and the Faroe Islands. Do you actually stop and appreciate like how exotic your life sounds? <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. I am incredibly grateful for it all. It's amazing. And this is another reason like with my 25 limit on weddings, like whenever I do destination stuff, I try and make sure I spend at least a week there because... Like I actually kind of want to experience the places that I travel to, not just fly in the day before, shoot a wedding and fly out again. Right, okay. So when you talk about weddings in Tyrol, the Dolomites, Bavaria, is that all included, like the travel to those places, that's included in those collections? It is, yeah. And then what happens if, you know, they want you to go to outside those areas? So the way I price it, so I have on my contact form, I ask where their like location is. And I have two pricing guides. So I have a local pricing guide and then I have a destination pricing guide, which is Europe wide. And what I've kind of done is worked out the averages from the kind of locations that I tend to get booked for, how much it costs me to travel. I cost into the travel, what a return flight would be, what car hire would be and the average cost of accommodation. And so I add that on top of my local prices and I create a separate pricing guide. So that when I then send the clients the prices, if they say we're looking at getting married in 
this location. I go, right, okay, well, it's Europe. So they get the Europe guide and it's just, it's one set figure, not it's this price plus this is what my travel costs. It's all just included in one price and I found that works really well. I love that. And you don't hide any of this either because I'm on your website now. You have a pricing page and I can see there that so elopements in Austria, Bavaria, and the Dolomites, it says, you know, coverage starts from 28.50 and then the average spend is 3,900 euro. Mm-hmm. So it's all very clear and upfront. Yeah. Too easy. <laughs> it sounds amazing. And you know what? You really got me excited for the genre when you said that a lot of the weddings aren't even on the weekend. So you're shooting midweek a lot of the time. Almost all of the time. I think most of my weekend ones tend to be in the winter time when they're the slightly bigger weddings in the ski resorts. But yeah, most of the time when it's elopements, it's midweek. I actually recommend midweek as well to a lot of couples because you're generally going to find that places are quieter. And when you don't have to kind of plan a wedding around a whole load of other people's schedules, you can do that whenever you want. Yeah, I love that. I'm guessing that you would even have things like ski lift tickets to think about. Does that happen? Yeah, I'm quite lucky that where if couples want to get married around Innsbruck, I have a year pass for a lot of the ski lifts here, but within, I kind of factor in, in with my prices that if I have to pay for a a 50 euro lift ticket within it, that's fine. It's all kind of, I just roll it into my prices, assuming that I may have that cost as well. And then the couples are there with you, then do you pay for them or they just get their own lift tickets? No, they're responsible for their own lift tickets, but most of the time they've been in the resort or they're staying in the resort for a week. So they will already have like their weekly ski pass and then I just need to get mine for the day that I'm with them. Got it. Okay. And I get the impression from your website that like it's an all-inclusive service that you're offering. So if I'm thinking about eloping, let's say with Linda, my wife, and I want to come to the Dolomites, you'll actually recommend locations. You'll help me find the best dates, times, places to go for photos. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. That's something like I've started doing more and more like this year. Like I kind of often found myself doing that anyway because couples would come to me and see that I'd shot in these places a few times or that I traveled there just for like my own like personal enjoyment. And they're like, oh, you know, could you recommend maybe like, you know, a good location? And, you know, as a wedding photographer, you know, often we're helping couples plan a timeline for a wedding day. And so that also kind of came into the fact with elopements. It's like, well, Couples don't know that having your ceremony, even if it's just the two of them, at 12 o'clock noon in August is a really terrible idea. And so, you know, I kind of was like, well, they're coming to me. You know, they've never done this before. I know the location and I kind of know the results I want to get from it and for them to have the best experience. So, you know, why wouldn't I help them pick the best locations to do it? So, yeah, it's all part of it. And I think that you know, a lot of couples, when they choose to elope, it's because they don't want all the stress that comes with planning a huge wedding. So to have someone go, yeah, do you know what? Like, I've got your back. I'm going to help you make this really awesome. You know, that's one of the reasons why I think a lot of the couples that I get come to me and why, you know, I get really incredible testimonials from them afterwards. I love it. How many people are generally at one of your elopements? It really varies. This year I have had quite a lot where it's just a couple, just the two of them. Don't you need to have a celebrant and then a couple of witnesses at a minimum? No, it depends. Um, So a lot of the elopements that I've done this year, they've chosen not to do the legal paperwork as part of their elopement. So it's really just a shoot? Yeah, kind of. I think 
again, so a lot of different countries. So if you've ever seen anyone get married in France who's not French, they haven't had a legal ceremony. And destination weddings in France have been huge for a long time. And so a lot of the times what people do is they just sign their marriage license either before they leave their home or when they get back. And what they class as their wedding day is this ceremony that they have where they say their vows to each other and they exchange their rings and their promises. And so sometimes they choose to have a celebrant or a friend do the ceremony for them. But for some of the elopements, the couples actually just want to do that part in private because it's a really, really personal thing. They don't want to say these incredibly like personal vows in front of an audience. They only want to say them to each other. And so I think, yeah, there's a kind of a misconception that, yeah, also an elopement, if you're with a couple for the whole day, it's a full day photo shoot. And I mean, it can seem like that, but a lot of the time it's just like, they're having this just incredible day. They get up, they maybe get dressed together. We go to a location where they say their vows at sunrise. And then we kind of go off and find, you know, a couple of other locations, go have lunch somewhere. And so it's not, yes, I'm taking photos of it, but it's not a photo shoot. Like it's them kind of just doing something that they'll always remember and saying this was the day we said our vows to each other and the day we like became, you know, sort of spiritually kind of husband and wife or, you know, a married couple. An elopement or getting married doesn't have to be a celebrant or a registrar and witnesses. Like sometimes it's that emotional part of getting married that is what they want to celebrate. I love this. Okay, so often it's just the three of you out on a shoot. Will they bring out a piece of paper and read their vows to each other and exchange rings and you're there to capture that and see that, witness that? Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what a lot of them have been this summer. So they have their little vow books or sometimes just a scrap piece of paper from the back of like the hotel menu where they've scribbled their their vows on. And then I'm just there. And when they do their vows, I always say to them, like, I'm going to step back. That's the one point where I put on like a 70 to 200. And yeah, I respect the fact that they've chosen to say their vows in this super intimate setting. So I step back and just let them have that moment to do that in a complete kind of safe space. Wow. I love it. So you mentioned gear there or equipment there, and not so much about the photography gear, but with the couples, are you helping them with you know what to bring? I, mean, I imagine there's parkers and ski pants and things like that in the background that we can't even see in some of these photos. And I imagine you have a lot of that stuff too. Is there like backpacks of gear? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think the thing is with a lot of the couples that choose to do these really adventurous types of weddings or elopements, whether it's skiing or hiking or climbing, they're usually choosing to do that because that's a huge part of their own like lifestyle anyway. And so they already have all the gear, like almost all of the time. So do I. I'm a huge gear hoarder. Um, <laughs> they have more rucksacks than I could ever need. And yet still, I never have the right one. <laughs> but I do still help them because there's kind of that thing of, okay, well, we know what outdoor gear we need. But then it's like, well, it's our wedding. So where can we kind of save weight on maybe gear that we don't need? How do we kind of combine that with the stuff that we need that's wedding specific? Like, how do you get a wedding dress in an already stuffed rucksack full of other things? And so that's kind of often where I help them and go, well, look, here's some ways you can save space. Here's what you definitely do want to bring with you. Here's some tips on how you can keep warm and bring stuff that's going to be useful, but not that you're carrying extra weight that you don't need. 
Right. Okay. Well, it must be a lot of planning that goes into some of these shoots. Yeah. Let me take you back just a little bit because I know they're going to be listeners that want to hear how you went from your own wedding to deciding you want to become a wedding photographer to actually getting bookings. Mm -hmm. Do you remember how you got those first few or first bunch of bookings? Yeah, I can. Probably going to be a controversial one. So yeah, I decided I wanted to be a wedding photographer. I bought a camera. I watched some creative live courses. I watched, you know, University of YouTube. I watched a lot of stuff. I attended a couple of workshops. And then I did the thing that everybody hates. And I posted in a couple of Facebook groups. Does anybody need a photographer? I'm just starting out. I will shoot your wedding for free. And, you know, as long as you know that I have no experience and I'm trying to kind of gain portfolio. So that's how I started. I started by shooting weddings for free. And then after a couple of free ones, I realized, okay, yeah, I'm not too bad at this. So then I started charging a little bit of money. And then I started charging a little bit more and kind of built from there. And to start with, it was pretty much all through Facebook. Fantastic. So those initial weddings, did you know, or even at that time, were you shooting elopements and these weddings in these amazing locations? Is that how it started from the beginning? No, it wasn't. Although one of the first kind of once I started asking for money, I was really lucky that one of the first ones that I shot within my first year was an elopement. And I absolutely loved it. But at the at the start, I was shooting anything and everything. So often like big church weddings, sometimes just like the registry office part of someone's wedding day, because in Austria for the locals, you do the registry office separately. So the only way you can legally marry is the registry office. But a lot of people like to do the church wedding as well. So they do registry office and then church, sometimes on a different day. So I was doing all sorts of different stuff. But it was because I come from such an outdoorsy background, being a ski instructor, and the reason I moved to the Alps, I, I very quickly learned that I really didn't enjoy these types of weddings. So when I did get the first elopement, which was through a wedding planner that I'd made contact with, I really, I just, I loved it so much. And that was kind of that light bulb of, oh, wow, like people do things like this. This is amazing. This is the direction I want to go in. Right. So you didn't even know that existed before you actually did it yourself. I kind of, I knew, I knew it did, but it, that I was definitely more, you know, from the, you know, in the US, you've got like Vegas when people think of elopements in the UK, you think of like running off to Gretna Green. And so like, I didn't really know that there was a different side of eloping. So that was kind of a new, it was an eye opener that there's a different way to do stuff. Sure. You said this might be slightly controversial. Did you actually feel that when you posted that you're going to photograph for free because you're starting up? Did you get any negative pushback or feedback? No, I didn't at all. Like at the time, no one said anything, but then I didn't really know any other photographers at the time. But I know now from, you know, being in the photography community and Facebook groups with thousands of members in, if somebody says, you know, I want to build my portfolio and I'm going to shoot for free or I'm going to do a contest to win your photography. There's often outrage that everyone's like, no, that's devaluing the industry. You're making everyone like, this is what's ruining the wedding photography industry. No one will pay anymore because everyone's offering to do it for free. And so there's a lot of hostility. If somebody says, you know, I'm going to do it for free. But to be honest, that's how I started because how can you charge for something you've never done before when you've got no experience? Yeah. So would you do the same again? Probably, yeah. 
let me rephrase that. Would you encourage someone to do the same thing you did if they were starting out? Yeah. I mean, like now that I've started mentoring, I often get people coming to me who literally are just like, I want to become a wedding photographer. How do I get started? Honestly, the best way is to, if you've got a friend who will let you shoot their wedding, who I always think it's don't try and convince them if they were going to hire a pro and you're like, oh no, it's fine. I'll do it for free. But like, if you know someone that's like, oh, we can't afford a photographer, we're not going to have one, then, you know, put yourself forward and go, you know, I'll do it. Or, you know, the other thing I say to people is, yeah, okay, organize style shoots, get all the couple friends that you know, to, you know, to pose for you and just practice directing them. Like, it's not the same thing, but how, there's no real other way of getting that experience. Because even second shooting, if you've got no experience, generally no primary shooter wants a second shooter that's never shot a wedding before. That's right. And second shooting's different as well, isn't it? Because you've got the main shooter setting things up and you've always got great, great posing, you've got great light because they know what they're doing. It's different when you have to do it yourself. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It's really hard. And so, yeah, I mean, honestly, like as long as you're completely upfront and go, yeah, do you know what? I'm going to shoot two weddings for free and you just say right up front, you know, this is what it is. I've got no experience, but I'll do it for free. And you don't know what you're going to get. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't think I would say not to do that if that's where someone is at that point where they want to give it a go and just see if they like it. Yeah, for sure. Fast forward to the time you got that wedding from the wedding planner. Was that a relationship you already had with a wedding planner? Did you initiate that relationship to get that booking? How did that all that play out? can't remember so much now I think I kind of yeah as I was starting out I was trying to kind of build connections and find people within social media and kind of try and build relationships with people to try and build a referral kind of network even though I was starting out and didn't have a whole lot of portfolio and yeah we'd kind of connected a few times through social media and I think this was the first time that we worked together because I had worked with her, I have worked with her on a couple of occasions since, I think. I think this was the first time. But it was literally like we built this relationship and I'd always kind of been very supportive on her social media and told people that she was a great wedding planner, even though I worked with her. And then when she got this inquiry through, it was from a couple from the UK and she knew that I was from the UK and she was like, you know, I think this would be actually a really good fit. And it was. Nice. So then you had that first taste of these I guess, elopement weddings out in the wild and you knew that's what you wanted to pursue. How did things change? What did you do differently then to start attracting those kinds of couples? At that point, I didn't do a whole amount. I didn't really kind of focus as much. What I was doing, because I was still shooting very traditional weddings, during the portraits, I would often try and take them somewhere that was very beautiful, outdoorsy as much as I could. But because my portfolio wasn't really showing that as much, I did a lot of blogging of just like my own travel and my own hikes, my own skiing stuff. And that's kind of how I got my first skiing wedding was from literally a couple who were looking at getting married in Austria and had found me and then saw that I was an ex-ski instructor and were like, oh, well, we want to ski on our wedding day and looks like you could do that with us. Like, let's, let's see if we can make this happen. <laughs> and so that also like, gave me a little bit more fuel but it, honestly, it wasn't until about, I don't know, about two years ago, maybe, that I kind of was just like, no, this is the direction that I want to go in. And then it was quite scary 
because it just meant that like I had to delete half of my portfolio on my website and social media feeds and just really start only showing this sort of stuff that I wanted to do more of. And I really had to look at the language I was using, how I was talking about things, the sorts of things I blogged about. So any blogs that talked about, you know, questions to ask your wedding venue, those had to go because an elopement couple don't care about wedding venue. So you really had to strip back a lot of the previous work that you'd done and put time and effort into. That must have really been difficult. It was. Yeah, it was very daunting to kind of all this like content that I'd created to kind of go, actually, you know what, this is attracting the wrong sorts of people, the wrong sorts of weddings it's got to go. And also, yeah, like really stripping down a lot of my portfolio, like also on social media, like deleting a whole load of Instagram posts. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So what happened to your bookings, to your revenue, to your business once you made those changes? It started to actually, I started to notice a change pretty quickly. Premium members of PhotoBiz Exposed hear more of the best photography business strategies from every guest. You mentioned there your workshops and I brought them up as well. How often do you teach? How do people learn from you? What's the next step if someone's heard this and thinking, I want to do what you are doing, Kat, teach me? So last October, so a couple of months ago, uh, was my first workshop that I've done. And I'm in the process of kind of planning one for 2020. I'm not quite sure, probably going to be October, November time again. So that's kind of in the planning stages at the moment. And I also do one-on-one mentoring. So I take on like up to five people a year on a mentoring thing. Sometimes I do just like one-off mentoring, but most of the time I get photographers who come and we do like a kind of an intensive like mentoring program where every like two to three weeks we speak and we kind of work through what they're trying to achieve and kind of creating a strategy for that. Do the photographers come to you, Kat, in Innsbruck, or is this over on Skype or Zoom? So the workshop that I did was in Innsbruck, just because it's really beautiful here. So it's a great excuse to get your company to pay for you to have a nice trip to get out. Absolutely. <laughs> but the mentoring that I do, the one-on-one stuff, is usually over Skype or Zoom. Okay, great. The workshop you're planning again for next October or November, will that be in Innsbruck again? I'm looking at doing one, yeah, in or around Innsbruck and I'm potentially talking with another photographer to do one possibly in the UK as like a joint thing like with two photographers and a small group of people. Nice. Okay, well, can you keep me posted about those so I can let listeners know what's happening in regard to those? Yeah. And then for the one-on-one mentorship and coaching, where do people go for that? So I've set up like a separate website for the mentoring and coaching and it's also where I publish all the workshop details when they're announced and it's just adventureweddingacademy.com. Nice. Okay. I'll add links to those in the show notes to accompany this audio for the listener and I'll also add links to your photography website as well so people can see your work and you're on Instagram and Facebook as well so I'll add links to all those places. Where's the best place to see your work when people ask? My website or Instagram. Okay, fantastic. Facebook is kind of one of those things that I keep it active just so that someone knows that I am still active, but I don't feel like it really serves me too much on a business side. Right. On your Instagram feed, is that you climbing up that vertical rock wall in the orange singlet top? 
Oh, I don't know where it possibly is. Yeah, right. It look, <laughs> it looks amazing. I mean, even if it's not you, you must have been on the side of the mountain to take that photo. There's actually a, I can see a, a paraglider down below. Wow, you live in an amazing part of the world. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, I think I think I know the one you're talking about. That was me hanging off the edge of a, a cliff after climbing the same thing and taking a picture of a friend of mine climbing up after me. Wow. So that's you. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Kat, you have been fantastic. It's been a real pleasure to chat to you and a massive thanks for sharing what you have. It's been fun for me and I know the listener will have got a ton from what you had to share. So a massive thanks again. Oh, thank you. I've really enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Kat as much as I did. What an amazing business she has. Kat, if you're listening, again, thanks so much for coming on and sharing what you did. I had a ball talking to you. I love the business that you've built, not to mention the fact you only work weekdays while shooting weddings. That's incredible. For you, the listener, again, I hope you got as much as I did from Kat. Was there something that she... was there something that she shared that you thought yes absolutely i can implement and use that in my business because if there is i would love to hear about it i know cat would too leave a comment in the comments area at the bottom of the show notes if you're happy to share that you can find them this week at photobizx.com forward slash 351 and if you are a premium member please let us know in the premium members group what your biggest takeaway was. And if you just want to say thanks to Kat for coming on and sharing, you can do that there as well. I'll add Kat into the members group as soon as this goes live. And talking about the show notes for this week, photobizx.com forward slash 351. In those show notes, I've got examples of Kat's amazing work and beautiful locations and also links to anything and everything she shared. And just on that topic... During the interview, she talked about her Adventure Wedding Academy. That is happening again this year. She just released details to me today. The happening in the Austrian Alps in Innsbruck in Austria. That'll be happening in October. Again, I've got details in the show notes, and I've also got a link to where you can go and learn more about that, including the cost, what's on the agenda. It's all there if you go to Kat's website and check out the Adventure Wedding Academy. (laughs) Sounds like an amazing excuse for an incredible holiday. At the same time, you get to learn a ton from Kat and write it all off as a tax deduction. (laughs) Sounds like a win-win to me. You're listening to the number one photography business podcast with Andrew Helmich, photobizx.com. Just one more announcement before we close out today's episode. You should be familiar or I expect you'd be familiar with the name Anna Puma if you've been listening to the podcast for any length of time at all. Anna is bigger than life and she has created this incredible blog post generator amongst other tools for photographers. So if, you, if you're struggling to create blog posts or write an effective about me page, if you want to learn about attracting your ideal clients, or if you want to have your website reviewed, go and check out Anna's revamped, redone website. And when you do, you'll find that the tools that she has there have also all been revamped. They look and work better than ever. So if you're struggling to write blog posts specifically or especially, and you hate doing that, you have to check out her blog post generators there's one there for wedding photographers there's one there for portrait clients sorry portrait photographers as well 
oh, I can't speak today. You'll find details about what she can do for you to help you with your photography business. Simply go to photobizx.com forward slash kickass tools. All the details are there. And I believe, I believe that if you have purchased Anna's blog post generator in the past, you get access automatically to the new revamped version. So they work better, they look better, they perform better. Go and check them out if you've previously purchased them. If you haven't had a look, photobizx.com forward slash kickass tools if you want to learn more about what Anna can do. And if you are a premium member, have a look inside the members Facebook group, do a quick search for uh, website reviews and you and you can hear a live website review that Anna did for another PhotoBizX member a few months ago. Very, very insightful. Alrighty, that is it for me for this episode of the podcast. I can hear the family being very, very quiet in the kitchen because I know that I'm recording. So there hasn't been too much noise, I hope. Certainly haven't heard the champagne bottles popping. I'm sure that'll be happening as soon as they know I've stopped recording. So I'm going to let them continue the party. I'll say goodbye. Have a fantastic week and I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. If you have enjoyed this episode, head to photobizx.com. Join the conversation, leave a comment and share your thoughts on the interview with Andrew and today's special guest. 